At Urban Farm Podcast, we are all about education, and April is Foliar Feeding Month. Have you heard of it? It is a super simple application of spraying liquid organic fertilizer on your trees and garden plants. The leaves, branches, and trunks are incredible at absorbing nutrients. And if your soil isn't great or your pH is off, foliar feeding is a quick and long-lasting fix to get your plants the nutrients they need. Want to learn more? Join us for our free online webinar on how to apply this amazing process to your gardens and fruit trees. Visit urbanfarm.org to sign up. That's urbanfarm.org. Greetings, urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Greg Peterson here, and welcome to the 278th episode of the Urban Farm Podcast, where three days a week we work together educating and inspiring you to become part of your food revolution. Healthy food is something that everybody wants, delicious and nutritious, and right outside your door is even better. Just text GARDEN to 44222 or visit IWantToGarden.com and you will receive our free webinar about the seven key factors you need to know to grow your own food. On today's podcast, we have someone who is inspiring creativity in communities everywhere. We're talking to Margaret Aldrich about Little Free Libraries. Margaret is the author of the Little Free Library book through Coffee House Press and has published her own works with The Atlantic, The Huffington Post, Experience Life, and Beyond. From little free libraries to tiny homes, integrative medicine to introverted kids, digital detoxing to co-op bookstores, her writing hunts for happiness, community, and what makes humans thrive. As a former editor at Utney Reader and longtime book editor and seasoned news producer, Margaret is now the programming manager at the Little Free Library nonprofit organization and is a regular contributor to Book Riot. She lives in Minneapolis, Minnesota with her husband, two entertaining young boys, a little garden, and of course, her own Little Free Library. Welcome to the show today, Margaret. Hey, thanks for having me. You bet. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at today? Sure, absolutely. Well, I grew up in the middle of nowhere on a sheep farm in Iowa. Wow. Yeah. And so growing up kind of a little bit isolated, Mm -hmm. my dad took me to the public library every Saturday and I was you know, a big book lover from the time I was a kid all the way through now. And that's kind of where it started. Mm -hmm. So I worked in book publishing for about 12 years. And then I worked as a journalist. And when I first saw a little free library, I thought all my dreams were coming true, you know, (laughs) free books right on the side of the sidewalk. Mm -hmm. So I started looking into what is this little free library? And I started writing about little free libraries for different publications. And in 2015, I wrote the Little Free Library book, which was a real joy to research because I got to talk with people who have little free libraries all over the world Mm. and how they use them to really build community and get to know their neighbors and share books. Wow. All right. So for those of us, and I just recently discovered Little Free Libraries, For those of us that don't know what they are, tell us. So the concept of a Little Free Library is very simple. It is a community book exchange. 
So it's often a wooden box filled with books mm-hmm. that you can find at the side of a sidewalk, in a public park, uh, maybe on a beach. So, And the idea is that if you find a book that you like, you can take it. If you have a book to share, you leave it. So it becomes this kind of self-sustaining system mm-hmm. of, of books. Wow. Cool. So how, how long has it been around? Let's start there. I, I, I got to know the history of this organization because it sounds so incredible. Sure. Well, the first little free library was built by a man named Todd Bowl, and he's from Hudson, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. So Todd built this library as a memorial to his mom, who was a teacher, an educator. She was a lifelong reader. And when she passed away, Todd wanted to do something to remember her and to kind of, you know, ensure that her spirit was going to live on. Right. So he built this little free library book box out of recycled materials that he had on hand Mm -hmm. and put it in his front yard. And when he saw how his neighbors reacted to it, everybody was curious and excited and would stay to linger and talk around the little free library. He really thought, you know, I have something here and I want to share this with the rest of the world. So since that first one was built in 2009, there are now more than 50,000 little free libraries around the world. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on. Yeah. 2009. That's eight years ago. Uh-huh. That exactly. is truly epic. So our, my listeners know that I'm always looking for epic. And I have to say, zero to 50,000 in eight years is amazingly epic. I'm, I'm still getting chills right now. How did, how did that agree. happen? How did that happen? I agree. Well, you know, that's something that we talk about a lot at the Little Free Library nonprofit. Little Free Library became a nonprofit in 2012. And we are constantly hearing from people um, what Little Free Libraries mean to them Uh and what it was about a Little Free Library that they connected with. And, you know, people have different reasons. Sometimes it's because they love books and they want to share books with their community. Sometimes it's because they want to build community where they live and get to know their neighbors. Mm -hmm. Some of them just want to give back in whatever way they can. But there really is this thread of, just connection that uh-huh. runs through runs through it all. And this is true for Little Free Library stewards all around the world. So there are Little Free Libraries in all 50 states here in the U.S., mm-hmm. but then there are also Little Free Libraries in 70 different countries around the world. Wow. Um, and that's everywhere. I, I know. It's, it's everywhere from, gosh, Iceland to Australia to Uganda to Brazil. Italy is big with little free libraries. You just never know where they're going to pop up. Wow. Okay, so I'm walking down the street in Coronado Island, California. My sweetheart and I, Heidi, we went on vacation there this last summer, and we're walking down to the beach, and wouldn't you know it, in fact, I have a picture, which will be on the on the podcast page for this of their little free library and tell people. So I was so excited because I said to Heidi, wow, I'm going to interview her here in the next few weeks. So tell people what it looks like. Well, the basic little free library, it almost looks like a large birdhouse. Uh It's usually a a small house shaped wooden box 
And that's the standard one that you'll see most often that people use that theme. Uh-huh. And you can buy a Little Free Library from the nonprofit organization at littlefreelibrary.org, or you can build one yourself and register it with us. Mm-hmm. So people who build them get so amazingly creative. Oh, I'm sure. Um, I, yeah, I've seen Little Free Libraries that look like robots or rocket ships or Victorian mansions or log cabins or there's even one that is shaped like a pig and one that's shaped like a cat. I mean, so <laughs> nice. it really it really lets people show their creative spirit and yeah. put their personality into it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So plus if you're I'm on your website right now, littlefreelibrary.org and I'm looking at the featured items, you have some really nice ones that are, you know, here's a prairie two story book exchange mm-hmm. box it's $250 and in mm-hmm. looking at this it could cost me that much in time and energy and supplies to build this so that's you know that's one way to do it or you can build your own get creative that's right absolutely you know our builders are primarily Amish craft people in the upper midwest wow <laughs> but for some people part of the joy is really building it themselves mm-hmm. so it really just depends on you know where you find your bliss right yeah yeah, exactly. Well, I would love to think that I would build one, and I actually have the tools and the handy, handicraftness to be able to do it, but I'm mm-hmm. so dang busy that I, I will probably end up buying this Prairie two-story, because as I shared with you when we started, it's like, one, I, I discovered this about six months ago, and it's like, wow, we got to have one of those at the in the front yard of the urban farm. That would be fantastic. Yeah. You know, I did something kind of in between where I bought a kit from Little Free Library oh, uh-huh. and I built the kit. Ah. So then I felt like I had used a little bit of my own elbow grease, but it was still very, very easy. Oh, that could be fun, too, to buy a kit. So the, the kits come with all the everything I need. That's right. Yeah, perfect. Perfect. So you went from zero to 50,000 in eight years. Tell me about that process. And how long have you been with the organization? I guess that's, that's a good first mm-hmm. question to ask. Sure. Well, when I was working on the Little Free Library book, I obviously spent a lot of time with Todd Bull, the founder of Little Free Library, mm-hmm. and the rest of the Little Free Library staff, and fell so hard for this organization and their mission and what they were doing. So I was thrilled when um, they asked me to come on board and, and join them. Mm-hmm. So I've been with Little Free Library, the nonprofit, you know, for for more than a year. Right. Something that's really interesting about the Little Free Library movement, and I really do think of it as a movement, uh-huh. it's this very analog thing, right? It's a box full of printed books mm-hmm. that you walk up to and you take one, you physically take one out or you physically put one in. So it's this very kind of basic analog process. Mm-hmm. But one of the ways that little free libraries have spread so quickly around the world has been thanks to social media, digital platforms, Mm. podcasts like yours, Mm -hmm. you know, interviews and international media. And so a lot of it is really thanks to those more modern aspects of, of media. So because often someone would say, travel to a spot that has a little free library and they would take a photo and share that with their social networks and it would start to spread that way. Or I spoke with a man in South Korea who 
he first heard about Little Free Libraries just from Googling the word library. And no, he saw really? an image. That, that's absolutely true. So he saw an image of a Little Free Library and he thought, oh, what is this? And he started digging deeper into what a Little Free Library was. And he became the first person to start one in South Korea. Wow. Yeah. So it's really been a mix of word of mouth and lots of different kinds of media that have helped spread the Little Free Library movement. But obviously, too, it's the fact that people all over the world connect with Little Free Libraries yeah. and what they do. Those kind of three prongs of, you know, inspiring readers, inspiring a love of reading, mm-hmm. and building community and bringing people together. And also that creativity aspect of people who get to express themselves through a Little Free Library book exchange. Yeah. Wow. So here's what I say, given the amount of energy that I felt just in our conversation around this idea. It's a really, really good idea. And the fact that it's a really good idea, people have picked up on it and ran with it and said, you know what, I'm going to do this. It's inspiring. It's fun. It's it's happy, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's simple. You know, it's something that is doable and achievable. It's something that you can do to give back to your community. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me about your book. I, uh, I've mm-hmm. actually pulled it up here on uh, Amazon. Uh, it's a, a fun little book. Uh, who published it? So it was published by Coffeehouse Press. All right. And it's, I was pleased that we got to include tons of color photography. So there are about 400 photos of Little Free Libraries. Whoa. <laughs> right. And there are profiles of about 50 different people around the world who have Little Free Libraries. And what they've meant to them, interesting stories, sometimes really heartbreaking stories, sometimes really funny stories about how their lives have changed because of their little free library. Mm-hmm. And there's also practical information, too, for people who want to get started with their own. Got it. So I'm super excited over here. I am ready to go to your website and get one of these coming in. How, what's the process look like? How do I do this? Sure. Well, if you want to buy a finished little free library, you go to littlefreelibrary.org. There are lots of different um, styles to choose from. Uh-huh. You can choose a kit. You can choose one that's already put together. And you order it online. And it's a really easy process. And that comes to you with a registration sign already on it. Mm-hmm. And then when you put it up, we want you to take a photo of it. You can be in that photo, too. And then put your library on our world map, which is also at the website. Uh, um, that, that was going to be my next question. How do we find... Yeah. How do we find one? Well, there is a world map at Uh littlefreelibrary.org. Not everyone chooses to put their library on the map, but many, many, many people do. So when you're out traveling on a vacation, you can go to the world map and see, oh, are there any Little Free Libraries around me? Or if you want to see who's close to where you live, you can hop on there, put in your zip code, and find out about the Little Free Libraries in your area. Mm -hmm. Perfect. So uh, once again, I'm on your website. Where do I find that map? I want to see how many are there are in my area. Mm-hmm. If you go to the home page, one of the colored tabs on the right hand side oh, is map. Excuse so you me. Just click that. <laughs> it would have bit me. It's right there. <laughs> I'm looking for a tab across the top. Uh, how many are in the U.S.? 
Oh, gosh, that's a good question. I don't know the distribution off the top of my head, but mm-hmm. the majority are in the U.S. Because yeah. this is really where it started. It, you know, most of them were first placed in Minnesota and Wisconsin, mm-hmm. since that's where Todd built the first one, was right on the border between the states. Right. But right now, California has the most little free libraries of any of the states. Nice. Nice. And as I said earlier, I found one when I uh, was in California. So is there a mm-hmm. cost, a yearly cost to do this? Yeah, there's not a, a yearly cost. If you build your own, there's just a one-time registration fee. Hmm. And that's a little little under 40, 40 bucks. Okay, cool. Excellent. Super. So tell me, I, I'm always, lo- again, as I mentioned earlier, I'm always looking for Epic. And I have to tell you, the, the Epic that you shared with me earlier was one of the biggest ones I've ever seen. But I want to know a story about one of these that just moved you. Mm-hmm. Well, there are quite a number of little free libraries that have been built as memorials to people who have died. You know, the very first one was actually a memorial. Mm, and so right. when I hear about people who have, especially who have lost children and then built a little free library to honor that child, those are the ones that really get to me. Mm, <laughs> you know, those are really yeah. great, great, really heartwarming stories. But there, every day we hear another story of someone doing something innovative and creative with their little free library. I thought that your audience would be especially interested to hear about all the different ways gardeners and farmers have used little free libraries. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, people, a large portion of our audience are gardeners and just people who are really involved in their communities. So one thing that I love that people have been doing is using their little free library not only to share books, but to share seeds. So they'll use their little free library as a seed exchange box. Yeah. So, you know, at the beginning of planting season, people Mm -hmm. will put out any extra seeds they have that they're not going to use in their own garden. And I think that's such a great idea. Yeah. And that's something I've done in my own little free library is, you know, put a a tiny box in there with my seed packets that I'm, I'm done with. And it's fun to see other people drop off um, their seeds too, that they're not going to use. So that's, that's an innovative way people have used their little free library boxes. People have built roof gardens on top of their little free library. Oh, nice. Yeah. One that I love is just packed with succulents and it's really beautiful. Yep. We've also seen little free libraries show up in community gardens. And I think that's oh, a neat spot that's for them to live. one of the best places for them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Or other people have, you know, even though if they're little free libraries at their house by the sidewalk, they've planted herbs or cherry tomatoes right next to the little free library mm-hmm. with a little pair of scissors and a sign that says, you know, take some. So people have found lots of other ways to share with their neighborhood and give back in addition to just sharing books. Yeah. I have to tell you, here's another reason why there are 50,000 of these out here. I am sitting over here and I'm grinning so hard that my, my smile is hurting. That's how incredibly cool this is. Yeah. I mean, there really is that feeling of a little free library making you happy. Happy. You know, when I'm walking around my neighborhood and I see one, it instantly makes me feel like it's a neighborhood that cares and it makes me happy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm going to go back to my question though, that I asked you a minute ago. 
I want to know one specific library, little free library that that just really moved you. Mm -hmm. Well, I can tell you about a boy in Wisconsin who he has. I mean, this is kind of a sad story, but also very uplifting. Mm -hmm. He he has a rare form of cancer, so he's had to spend a lot of time at home. Yeah. You know, he's had to miss a lot of school. His name is Evan. And Evan found out about Little Free Libraries, and he thought, oh, I'd like to build a Little Free Library for my front yard. Even if I can't leave the house, I could see people stopping by. And so he built this library with his family and put it out there. And Evan has become one of our dearest friends. Mm. He, he's connected with Little Free Library stewards all over the world. Um, so he now... Yeah, he now has friends all over the United States and all over the planet um, because there's a, there's a special Facebook group for Little Free Library stewards, only for, for that particular group. So Evan has become kind of this celebrity rock star of the Little wow. Free Library world because nice. he has this amazing attitude. You know, he never seems like he's giving up or feeling down. He is always just going and going. So I would say Evan has been the story um, that has meant the most to me. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So you also have a new project called the Action Book Club. That's right. That's right. We launched the Action Book Club this year, uh -huh. and I'm really excited about it. So the Action Book Club is another very simple idea. Your reading group gets together like they always do. They read a book, they talk about it, but then they take it a step further and they do something positive in their community. Hmm. So it's, we like to think of it as good reads uh, and good deeds. Oh, good. Yeah. So it's for any age group. We've had, you know, elementary students form an action book club, read a book, and then do something positive. Mm -hmm. We've had existing adult book clubs join the action book club, read a book together, and then do something positive. So it's been great to see. You know, wow. one of my favorite stories so far uh -huh. um, was, an, was an action book club in Cleveland. It was a group of third graders and they read a book about community building and they talked about it with their teacher and then they started to think about what could be our action, what's going to be our positive thing that we do where we live. Mm -hmm. And they discovered that their school did not have a recycling program. Oh, wow. Yeah, which I was surprised to hear that. And so they thought, well, this is something that we could start. Mm -hmm. So they made a goal to start collecting plastic bottles. And they talked with their local recycling center. And they came up with a number that they wanted to collect 15,000 plastic bottles by the wow. end of the year. Uh -huh. And they did it. They met this goal. So that's a story I love to hear. But the idea of the Action Book Club is that you can do something big or you can do something small, and all of that is okay. Yeah. Because the idea is that any act that's doing something positive is going to help create this ripple effect yeah. of people doing good things all across the country and all around the world. Mm -hmm. And right now we have Action Book Clubs that are signed up you know, across the U.S., but then also in countries like China and Russia and Denmark and India. So we're really excited to hear about the good things people do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Wow. 
Wow, cool. And where do we find out about Action Book Club? So Action Book Club, you can also go to littlefreelibrary.org, and there's a tab on the right-hand side. And if you click that, you can sign up and learn more about the Action Book Club. Cool. Oh, there it is, right underneath map, Action Book Club. There it is. <laughs> yeah, cool. and everybody who signs up gets a nice little welcome package from Little Free Library. Uh-huh. Perfect. So who came up with this idea? Well, the founder of Little Free Library, Todd Bowl, and I had been thinking about ways to use books to create change. Inspire. Yeah, using books to create change. Yeah. And so we've seen, you know, the ways that people who have little free libraries or use little free libraries have this instinct to do good in the world. Mm-hmm. And so we wanted to come up with another way to harness that. Nice. In reading your bio, you have Utney Reader on there. I haven't heard of Utney Reader in a long time. Tell me about that. Mm-hmm. So Utney Reader is a publication and website mm-hmm. that really celebrates the best of the alternative press. So, you know, every place from the smallest magazine to maybe a hand-drawn zine to innovative websites, we would read it all and then digest kind of the most interesting and innovative things happening out there. Wow. So where do we find out about Utney Reader at? You can find them online, and they still have a print magazine as well. And when I was there, my beat was really about innovative community projects. Mm. So... I wrote about things like the tiny house movement, people who were poetry bombing, thrift stores, co-op bookstores. There's just a lot of amazing projects that are happening that aren't always covered in the media. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. All right, cool. So that's utne.com, utne.com. Excellent. I saw that. I, you know, I've known of Utne for a long time, so I saw that on there and I wanted to ask you about it. So thanks for, thanks for reminding me. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to shift on you, and I'd like for you to talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure, and what you might have learned from it. Well, the failure that's at the top of my mind right now, because I'm looking out the window in my backyard, hmm. is my my garden. Hmm. <laughs> and the, the cause of my failure this year was using a little fence that had a hole in it. And I live here in Minneapolis where there are... Lots and lots of critters. Oh, yes. Lots of rabbits. And so this year, the rabbits have, have really won. <laughs> you know, they they left me some things. They left me my Brussels sprouts and uh-huh. my tomatoes and a few other things. But they, they've they conquered my beets and oh, yes. my carrots. Carrots, yeah. Yep. So, yep. so that's the failure that I'm really thinking of right now. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Here's the thing about that. And I, I mentioned that uh, this often in my, in my chats with people, this is how we learn. You know, mm-hmm. I, I had a massive tomato failure this year and I've been growing tomatoes for over 40 years. Started mm-hmm. when, started when I was 15 and I know better than what I did, but I did it anyway. So, <laughs> you know, welcome to being a gardener. Li- li- this is live and learn and, and yeah. keep a journal. Oh, that's good advice. Yeah, keep a journal. So what do you consider your biggest success? Well, the thing that's at top of mind for success right now is really the Action Book Club. Mm -hmm. I'm so excited about how this is going, and I'm so excited to start seeing Action Book Clubs sharing their stories and so that we can hear about their projects and what they're up to and the change that they're making where they live. Mm -hmm. 
so for me, that's been very satisfying. And oh, every man. day we see more and more action book clubs sign up. Yeah. And right before this interview, I group in Tobago and Trinidad. So oh my gosh. I'm, and it's a classroom. So I'm so excited to hear wow. about what their project is going to be and what book they choose to read. Yeah. Excellent. So what drives you? Well, I would say right now at Little Free Library, the things that drive us are really trying to get books and Little Free Libraries to neighborhoods where they're needed most. Mm, yes. Because, you know, for a lot of populations and neighborhoods in the United States, people have the means to go out and buy a Little Free Library or build a Little Free Library themselves, which is wonderful. But we also want to make Little Free Libraries and books accessible for everyone mm -hmm. of any income level. Right. So we have something called the Impact Fund, and that's where we collect donations and we give away no-cost Little Free Libraries every month to people who apply to receive them. So that's really been driving us right now is we want to ramp up that program even more so we can get books in the hands of folks who need them. Yeah. Because really the one of the tenets of the Little Free Library movement is that it's a library of inclusion. You know, everybody is welcome at a Little Free Library. Mm -hmm. Everyone's welcome to take a book or leave a book. It doesn't matter your age or your gender, your background. So we want to make sure that we're also being inclusive for the people who want to have a Little Free Library. Yeah. Wow, cool. And I, and I have to giggle about our next next question for you. And we giggled about this before we started. But if you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it oh, be and you why? Know, you know, that's an impossible question. Uh -huh, <laughs> exactly. That's why we're laughing about yeah. it. Well, first I'll say my own book, the Little Free Library book, because, yeah. you know, why not? But uh, that's kind of a joke, too. Well, so actually, say... actually, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna <laughs> to stop you there for a minute. Actually, it's not. And this would be out of 200 and 270 episodes or whatever, I would actually say, yay, yeah, you should use your book. Yeah, and, and you can yeah. give me another book. But tell us, give me a little bit about your book. Okay. Well, the first book I'll recommend is the Little Free Library book, uh -huh. because I think that everybody should know about the Little Free Library movement and how they can get involved. Yeah. But I'll also say that my favorite book is always the book that I'm currently reading. Oh, yes, because of course. I always fall in love with whatever, mm -hmm. whatever I'm reading at the time. Yeah. So that book for me right now is called Behold the Dreamers by Mbolo Mbui. And it's a, the story of immigrants from West Africa who come to New York and kind of the trials and tribulations oh, and yes. hilarity that ensues for mm -hmm. this family. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. And what one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners? My final piece of advice would be just to think about innovative ways that you can give back to your community. You know, whether that's a little free library, whether that's helping start a community garden, because all of these small acts and small changes mm -hmm. really do make a difference. And I'd also love for you to check out Little Free Library's Action Book Club. Ah, perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Margaret. Thanks a lot for having me. Oh, you bet. It's been a, it's been a good one. Thank you. So how can our listeners get a hold of you? 
they can go to littlefreelibrary.org and there's a contact us page. And we're such a tiny staff, it will always get to the right person. Perfect. Perfect. You can also find show notes from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org forward slash little free library. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. Healthy food is something that everybody wants, delicious and nutritious, and right outside your door is even better. Just text GARDEN to 44222 or visit IWantToGarden.com and you will receive our free webinar about the seven key factors you need to know to grow your own food. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen three days a week for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. One of the first things that many of us learn when we start to garden is how to water and fertilize the soil. But there is an exception to this rule and it's called foliar feeding. You should foliar feed or water the leaves of your plant with liquid fertilizer when you want certain nutrients to be absorbed better. Not only are the leaves great at uptaking liquid fertilizer, if your soil isn't very good or your pH is off, foliar feeding can help your veggies and fruit trees quickly get the nutrients they need to thrive. If you're ready to start foliar feeding for maximum growth yields and quality, head on over to urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves to see our selection of foliar feeding products. That's urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves.